Welcome to Asphalt Talk, a podcast by and for asphalt professionals. Join our expert hosts as they tackle real industry issues to pave a smoother way for asphalt suppliers and producers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Asphalt Talk. I'm your host, Dale Williams, with the Missouri Asphalt Pavement Association. Today, we're sitting down with Audrey Copeland, President and CEO of the National Asphalt Pavement Association, to learn a little bit about NAPA and how they are a resource for the asphalt industry. So, good to see you today, Audrey. Um, look forward to our discussion about NAPA, but I thought maybe before we talked about NAPA, maybe we'd talk a little bit about yourself. So, how long have you been with NAPA? Hey, Dale. It's great to see you, too. So, thank you for having me. So I have been with Napa for 11 years now, uh, started there in 2012, leading the engineering team and became president and CEO, I guess, uh, four years ago now in 2019. So uh, I, I was with Federal Highway Administration before that, and I can tell you that it, it was a good move and uh, feel very blessed uh, to be with the Napa, with the Napa group. Wow, four years already as president. Right. Seems yeah. like yesterday. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So sometimes it doesn't feel that way, though, you know, with going through uh, a pandemic. and. So. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been here 13 years and it, sometimes I blink. I feel like I started yesterday. And, oh, wow. Yep. So. Yeah. so did you always want to work in the road construction industry? And, and really specifically, did you want to work in the asphalt industry? Because I find most people in our industry didn't start out wanting to be in this industry. Right. Yeah. And that's the case for me too. You know, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know much about the road construction industry, except that I like to drive on roads. Um, I, uh, I like, I like cars and I like to drive. So really um, for me growing up, I was thinking around being a teacher um, or being a lawyer. And I'm grateful that I had a dad that's actually an engineer and so he didn't necessarily put pressure on me to be an engineer, but he did uh, convey to me how important it is to think about a professional degree um, and not just do like pre-law, you know, or something like that, where you're not really setting yourself up for success if you don't go to law school. And the school that I settled on for college, I knew I always wanted to go to college because I like school. Um, and the school I settled on was known for engineering. So I enjoyed math and science and ended up giving it a whirl and, and really uh, enjoyed it. And then how I got into connected with road construction and asphalt was um, I decided to stay for my master's. And that's what was paying for the students, the projects was research with the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Um, I went to school in Tennessee. And so that was, um, and also I, what I'll say too is one of the professors at Tennessee Tech did materials research. So a lot, you know, my coursework uh, besides structural engineering was in materials. So did the project for TDOT and then thought, okay, well, let me move back on from here, back over to structural engineering. And then ended up getting an opportunity with the Federal Highway Administration, a, a fellowship during my uh, PhD, and it pulled me back into asphalt. And that's when I really embraced it and had the opportunity, you know, before it had been mainly in an academic environment. But then when I got to FHWA, I really got to see not only the government, but the industry itself. I, I got had great opportunities to get exposed to the industry and just saw what great people it are it, it is. And and then it stuck. And so that's how I ended up in it. That's interesting. I, you and I had similar, uh, maybe goals in life. I was always going to be a structural engineer. Most of okay. my, my degree was on the structural side of civil. And I, 
I took a, a job with the DOT and I took it in Macon, Missouri, which is a couple hours from where I grew up and had an opportunity to get back closer to home in the construction and materials division. And I thought, well, I'll get to the bridge division eventually. And, right. uh, you know, here 27 years later, yeah. <laughs> almost uh, still working in the asphalt industry. Great people. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and speaking of great people, who, who would you say was uh, your most important professional mentor? Yeah, I've been thinking about that one. I mean, it's kind of a tough one. So I, I think what I'd prefer to do is talk about most important mentors at times in my life, you know, and just mention a few. Um, when I came to Federal Highway Administration as a graduate student, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so uh, Tom Harmon with FHWA really took me under his wing. And he taught me the things that seem really simple, but can be so effective for your career. Like he taught me to stop saying, um, in my presentation or, you know, okay. In my presentation, he taught me how to set goals, uh, in a, in a career environment. I was used to doing it in academic, you know, but in a career environment or within the government or an industry, you know, he helped me set the goal of, we're going to change 10 state DOTs rap specs, you know, to increase rap use. So having that, um, and then having like Jack Uchiff at FHWA, who really just gave me the freedom to design my own experiments and stuff was helpful. And then I kind of move on to when I joined FHWA as a employee, a full-time employee, and that was really uh, John D'Angelo and John Bukowski. Uh, John D'Angelo, again, taught me simple things like you need to have an agenda for the meeting. You need to respect people's time. You know, don't call people to a meeting when, when they don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. And then Bukowski, and, and I really want to call out John Bukowski because he, probably one of the most important things is John really helped me know my value. So when I was making the move to Napa and trying to determine, you know, what my salary range, what I might ask for and things like that, John, first of all, John supported that decision to move to Napa. He saw the opportunity for me and the future and then he helped me understand my value going into that role and it worked out, you know? And then, so from there, he continued to be a mentor uh, to me. We talked every week. And then finally, um, another very important person was Mike Acott. And the one thing I want to point out, Mike was the former uh, president and CEO of Napa. And the one thing I want to point about out about Mike, in addition to all the wonderful things he did to help me prepare, such as teaching me how to communicate with a board of directors and how to communicate effectively with business owners and business executives is he helped, um, he put me in place to help build the culture at Napa. There had been some, you know, on and off, you know, it always happens in an organization. There's, it ebbs and flows, but there had been a time period where there was some tension among some of the staff at uh, Napa, uh, when I was coming in, and he saw something in me that, that you know, he said, all right, let's, let's kind of put this on Audrey. And so he tasked me with building trust at Napa. And now that I have become the leader of Napa, I see how important and how much foresight that was, because I come in as a leader and I've got a stake in the culture. I actually helped it. And, and it wasn't just me, it was everybody, but I, you know, he, he made it a goal, a part of my performance. And I just really appreciate that. And now I am so passionate and care so much about the culture at Napa and what we built there 
um, that we are, we're reaping those benefits. And I think our members see that. So sorry, that was a little bit long winded, but I've just, I've been blessed to have some really important mentors in my life. And those are just a few that I wanted to call out. So. Yeah, no, I, 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 I fully understand, you know, Dave Yates who preceded me here was a great mentor for myself and, you know, his support and, you know, even advice after I took on the role right, um, was very valuable. Me. Yeah. And I but, miss, I miss David, you know, he yeah. continued to show up even afterwards and such a, such a special friendship among, among y'all, you know? So, and I think another thing like observing you and David is you always knew that y'all, um, y'all enjoyed it too, you know? So yeah. 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 Very lucky. We had a good transition. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you like to do when you're not working? Yeah. So, um, well, obviously, you know, work does take up a lot of time and, but I do, I, I have a wonderful family. Um, so we have two children. Um, my, my bonus son, Marco, he's at Arizona state university. And then we have a, a, a well, I don't know if you can call her a toddler anymore. She's going to turn four next month. Um, our daughter, Jory. So my point is a lot of my time, of course, is with my family. And uh, we love, you know, doing activities around DC, hiking, you know, things like that. And then we also love to travel. Um, we travel to see our families in Nashville and Miami. And then we try to tack on sometimes trip the Napa trips, you know, some family activities. Last year, I was thinking about it, you know, with Marco starting college. I was in Arizona four times, I think, last year, maybe five. <laughs> so um, with him out there, we're really getting to know that area as well. So and then for me personally, when I'm when I am in a new city, because I love exploring new cities or new areas, you know, I love to just go on walks. Um, I'll if especially if we're traveling internationally or something, I'm I'm kind of the nerd that buys the travel book and looks at all the recommendations. And it's really given us some great nuggets. Like I found some wonderful gems in different cities across the world. And, and then on top of that, I will always, um, I love taking pictures. So I'm, I'm not that great, but I'll kind of consider myself an amateur photographer. And I always like to look up um, consignment shops. Like I like to do, you know, pre-owned consignment shopping, things like that. Um, so yeah, so those are kind of what takes up my time. So. So what, what is one thing that folks in the asphalt outside, or I guess folks in the asphalt industry don't know about you? Yeah, this one, I actually, it's funny, this question was probably the most challenging, you know, when I was thinking about it. Um, and because I'm kind of an open book, but I guess what I would say, the one thing I would say is with the fact that I went and got the advanced degrees and I'm in the position I'm in now, you know, there's a lot of people who will say, you know, she's smart, you know, and I guess what I would just share is that I really struggled in school. It did not come naturally for me. And in fact, when I was in middle school, I tested to be in all the low, the lowest classes for math and English and all that. And I, I kind of figured out pretty quick, this is not where I wanted to be because I did love school. Um, and so I worked hard and, and I had to work hard. Um, I almost didn't make it out of algebra, you know, but I was very blessed to, um, have parents who supported the academic environment and who also, I also had teachers who saw the potential in me, um, and gave me opportunities to take more challenging classes and things like that. So anyways, just to summarize, I would just say that really, um, 
hard work goes a lot of goes really far in life and I attribute a lot of my success more to the hard work than <laughs> things just coming naturally to me so because I really struggled early on so yeah. I, I, yeah. I can relate to that as well okay <laughs> I, I had to work really hard to get through engineering school as well yeah, it, wasn't, uh, it didn't come as easy to me as some of the folks she's you know, the study groups we had, it just would frustrate me. It's like, how do you know this? Exactly. Yeah. And thank God for those study groups, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Got to right. the have some lifelong, and, yep. and have lifelong friends out of it too. So. That's true. Yeah. Yep. So I want to switch gears a little bit now. Let's kind of maybe talk about Napa. Um, so I thought maybe first off might be beneficial to help the audience understand, you know, who is Napa and how do they, how do you all impact the industry? Right. Yeah. Um, so really what it boils down to is Napa is the asphalt pavement industry's partner in uh, helping, you know, ensure the longevity of the industry and helping their business. So helping them, you know, being able to think about things that they may not have time to think about in their day to day uh, at the federal level or uh, regulatory, or even in promoting the industry. And so we're really that partner. And, you know, we're over 1,100 members strong. Our primary members are the producers that um, produce the asphalt mixtures. Um, and then we, of course, have our associate members that are very important as well that support the industry. And so one of the key things we do is we bring together the industry um, to be able to advance asphalt pavements and uh, learn from one another. And our industry really values that. Um, and so we, we enable that. And then how that impacts the asphalt industry, again, is like I said, the longevity. Um, I, you know, me and the staff at Napa, we're waking up every day thinking about asphalt pavements and how we can ensure the longevity of the industry and that these folks are still in business in five, 10, 20, 30 years. And we um, are guided by our members um, and we, uh, our members very much value expertise. And so with that, we, um, again, are a trusted resource to those members and they know that they can call us and uh, we will be there for them. So, oh. you know, from Audrey, from, from my standpoint, you know, here at Napa, you know, you guys are a great partner right. and, you know, we value, you know, the research, the marketing and the advocacy program within Napa. It's been, it's been really helpful for us here in Missouri whenever we needed it. Um, could you tell the audience a little bit about the PEAT, the Pavement Economics Committee and the Go to Market Committee and, and what they accomplish? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, and these these names can be a little bit, you know, confusing or, you know, it's like, what is that? I even <laughs> when I first came on Napa, first came to Napa, that's when we were developing the Pavement Economics Committee. And I remember I, I had a little bit of a struggle getting my head around it. But really what it boils down to is we knew that we needed to have a um, program that helped support whatever uh, competitive challenges we may have or whatever we need to do as partners to advance the industry. So that's really where the pavement economics and go-to market was born out of, was uh, this ideal of having a mechanism 
where we can conduct whatever research we may need, like short-term research or implementation projects. Um, then we can have this go-to market arm that helps develop the uh, collateral and the materials to promote what we find from that research and promote the benefits of asphalt. And then finally, the third leg of that stool is the Asphalt Pavement Alliance, which I see as being our face to the cust our customers, uh, to the state DOTs or to uh, commercial uh, outfits like big box stores and folks like that that are really carrying that message and that information that came out of that research to those folks so they understand the advantages of asphalt pavements. So with pavement economics, that's a fantastic partnership between the State Asphalt Pavement Association and NAPA, where we seed half a million dollars a year uh, to do these projects that are agreed upon by the groups. And so some of the fantastic stuff that has come out of there that I think you've benefit, benefited Dale from, Dale, is some of the life cycle cost analysis research uh, we've also developed Pave Express, which, you know, filled a void for pavement design for engineers. And so that's been very well received. There's also been projects in the sustainability area as well. And so um, we've got a whole, if, if you want to learn more about that, our annual report this year, which is on our website, it features a 10-year recap of the Pavement Economics Committee and the accomplishments. So I encourage the audience to check that out. And then again, like I said, with GoToMarket, that's where we're really partnering with like a marketing firm to help us understand our audience and then to, to develop the, that information that, again, promotes the benefits of asphalt pavements. And we've evolved from advertisements, um, you know, very targeted advertisements all the way to case studies. And I found those case studies just to be very helpful because and Dale, I know you know this because you work uh, you worked for the DOT and also you work directly with your your Missouri DOT. And um, you know, when you talk to the chief engineers or the heads of DOT, what they're typically going to say is if you can show me value, um, you know, value, cost savings, longer life, I'm interested. And so that's what we're really trying to do with those case studies. So show show that, show value, performance, or um, really educate on an issue that the industry may have. Yeah, you know, it, you you talk about uh, Pave Express. That was I, I've served on. I, I think the name of the of the committee has changed a few times, but the early committee that uh, developed Pave Express. It's hard to believe it's been ten years already, but you know that, that's just one really great example of of some of the things that that have come out of Napa. You know, one of the other things that's been a big value for us here in Missouri has been the legislative staff at NAPA. You know, we we LCCA legislation at at on the local level here. Jay and his team have you know have always been a, a great resource, and I know you guys have been very influential in the in the reauthorization of the federal highway bills. Uh, we you know we just passed the bipartisan infrastructure law. So, what do you see as the next big legislative issue? Yeah, so I guess, um, real, okay, so first and foremost, the big, probably the big issue looming is how are we going to have funding in the future? You know, once IIJA runs its course, 
Um, by 2026 or so, there's going to be, again, this fall off in the highway trust fund. You know, it's just not able to keep up with inflation. So that is looming out there. And even though we've had this wonderful success with IIJA, we, we need to still be thinking about the future and how this country, and it isn't just Napa, it's how this country as a whole is going to fund and maintain our infrastructure. Um, so that's the big long-term issue. Um, but then what we're kind of looking at in the short term is, of course, implementation of IIJA, you know, make sure that um, everything goes well in terms of the funding and how it's implemented and it's kept in terms of what Congress uh, intended for it. And we also are looking for opportunities for some of the things that Congress established, such as lowering carbon and things like that, opportunities for the industry. Um, we do have a new Congress, um, a Republican Congress. And so we're also concentrating on um, building those relationships because not all the Republicans supported IIJA. So we've got our work cut out for us to continue educating them um, that this is a bipartisan issue and uh, this funding is necessary. And then probably in the most immediate, we are looking at two things, um, FAA reauthorization, Federal Aviation Administration. Uh, obviously there's a lot of money there that can go towards pavements. And then also an important project of our or program of ours is the funding that goes towards pavement airport pavement technology. So we're making sure uh, in partnership with the concrete industry that that is uh, reauthorized. And then the second thing would be Buy America. Um, I think you're aware that uh, Congress has set some real stringent rules on Buy America for construction materials, but we were fortunate that we were able to get an exemption for aggregates and cementitious materials, which includes asphalt cement binder. And we're just trying to make sure that that is all interpreted correctly by the agencies. And so the latest thing has been the Office of Management and Budget um, is you know, asking for some input on how they interpret that legislation. And so we're doing some education there and have sent a pretty strong, strongly worded letter kind of to let them know or to reinforce what Congress's intent was. And we're, we're partnering, of course, with our other materials associations on that. So um, really, um, the exciting thing at Napa right now is we have a new vice president of government affairs, Niall Elam. He comes to us from the National Association of Manufacturers, as well as he was with National Stone, Sand and Gravel Association, too. So he's already got some great relationships among the materials associations. Um, we're just really excited to have him. Um, he's got some great new ideas. And we have heard from our members how important it is that we are all working together at the federal level, especially on the issues that we can agree upon, such as funding and Buy America and all that. And so I think we're, um, you're just going to see some real great synergies coming through now. And, and we're very excited about that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is exciting times and look forward to No Nile and, and working with him as we move forward. Yeah, he um, he was actually at an event in Con Expo. He uh, was at the, I don't know if you know, but there was an event with uh, Graves uh, okay. one evening and Niall was at, it was among the uh, materials associations. And so Niall attended that. And um, 
I don't want to get ahead of my skis, but we might be talking to you, Dale, about uh, what we're going to do at our mid-year in Kansas City. So maybe try to work something out there, too. Oh, hey, hey, what a great plug. The Napa mid-year in Kansas City this summer. It's in July. So, hey, we're, we're happy to we're happy to host it. It's, uh, you know, last year was uh, we were in Santa Barbara. So Santa Barbara to Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do our uh, best. We'll, yeah, well, we'll, and I'll, yeah, I'll just go ahead and share with you. We're kind of riding the ship a little bit because typically our mid-year, our, our annual obviously is always at a, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of a, uh, you know, a resort or, you know, somewhere where we can enjoy the sun and golf. But with our mid-year, which is more of a business meeting, uh, we decided we were like, okay, we kind of need to get back to those mid-sized cities, you know, easy to get into. And, um, but I, you know, I have not spent much time in Kansas city, so I'm pretty excited to check out a new city and, uh, and I'm sure we'll be tapping you. Like I said, we, we'd like to maybe extend some, some invitations. And so we'll, we'll be working with you on that deal. All right. We look, look forward to that. And now a public service announcement from our sponsor may create design. 1992 called, they want their website back. Stop apologizing for your crappy site and stop working with that company who thinks hot mix is the latest snack craze. Work with folks who have been speaking your language for the past 17 years. And get a website that's not a gigantic pain in the you know what to build. Visit maycreate.com, that's M-A-Y-E create.com for a free consultation and quote. Because if you think your website sucks, so does everyone else. So, you know, what's Maybe a kind of a two-part question here. What what do you think is the most important part and most challenging part of your job as president of NAPA? Yeah, so the most important part of my job, again, is probably twofold. So number one, um, especially because knowing our members value that expertise in the industry, um, is being that true partner to the asphalt pavement industry and knowing that what we do at NAPA aligns with their values and their priorities. And so, you know, convening those um, important groups, committees, the board, our new advisory councils to have that information fed up and then fed up to us. And then also to be able to distill it into what we need to focus on. Cause there's so much we could do. I mean, you know, you run, you run a state association as well. I mean, you, you could just be pulled in so many different directions. So being able to distill down to what is the most important that our industry as a whole focuses on and, and make sure we have the resources for. And then second part of that is obviously, uh, you know, taking care of NAPA itself as an organization and as an association and leading it. Um, I mentioned the culture, you know, uh, making sure that we have the staff in place making sure that um, we operate well and um, and then just, again, leading and ensuring that the organization is sound on, on many levels. So, and then on the, uh, the part where you said the most challenging part of your job, um, I guess what I would say, and I don't know that it's even necessarily just part of the job. I mean, there are, there are, there's plenty of challenging things that are part of the job, right? But I feel that one of my strengths is I, and one of the things that, that is evolving for me is that I am not afraid to go to others and I'm not afraid to get input. I'm not, a, I'm, you know, I can go ask others, what do you think? Um, or I can go to our members and get guidance. 
And so, and I'm also realizing I don't have to go things alone. You know, people are always willing to help. So I guess what I would focus on saying all of that is that I still have challenges finding time for deep thinking or finding time for deep writing and reading, you know, where you can really, at least for me, I can feel that I can get into a mindset mindset where I can come up and generate some more, um, you know, fresh ideas or fresh thinking. And so I still struggle with that. I mean, our, you can get into a very reactionary habit of putting fires out, you know? And so um, there are times in my life where I feel that I'm doing well in that area and I'm reading stuff that is inspiring me and it's applying to my job. And then there's other times where like right now, this year's been tough. And I just feel that I'm not, I haven't been able to carve out that time for that deep thinking and, and reading and writing that I would like to. So I'd say right now, that's kind of the challenge top of my mind, so. I definitely can relate to that. And so what, what's been one of the most rewarding experiences for you during your time? Yeah, so really I have to, I probably have to hark back to that culture, like being able, you know, to, um, for like, again, Mike Acott seeing that opportunity for me and being part of building that trust and culture among the staff, you know, just a, just an example, you know, I've had staff come to me before saying, you know, I can't do this anymore, or I can't work with this person anymore, you know, and I will guide them or mentor them through that process. And it's resulted in them coming back and being like, you know what, it's okay. You know, I, I no, we, we, we worked it out and it's fine. And I, you know what, you're right, Audrey, I can work with this person. And I didn't necessarily tell them like, oh, you're going to work with this person. Mm-hmm. I just told them, Hey, you need, this person probably has no clue where you're coming from. So you need to talk it out. So probably again, just um, being able to help people in their own career, or just think about things from a different perspective. And then also um, coming into the realization that now I'm a mentor, you know, not like an official mentor, but now I'm like, oh, I'm coming into the realization that I'm mentoring folks. And so when that person comes and tells you that there's something that you said, or that you helped them with, that really impacted them or, or helped them. I just, I get a lot of, um, uh, you know, I'm just rewarded by that. I feel, I feel good. And so, you know, kind of the example there, um, is with, um, with Dan Gallagher, when he, so Dan Gallagher's out of Chicago, Gallagher Asphalt, when he was chairman, we went over to uh, Australia to, um, participate in their conference over there. And, Dan brought his daughter, Janie. And at the time, Janie wasn't in our industry. She was in the music industry and she had no desire to come into our industry, but she was able to, she saw me, she saw me speak and she actually saw me speak on what we do for the environment and for sustainability. And it had a profound impact on her to the point where she said, you know what, I could see myself in this industry now. And So that was just so rewarding to me. And before that, I had never thought of what an impact that a fellow woman, a woman seeing a fellow woman and hearing about what an industry does could have on another individual. And so that that was just rewarding for me that she's now, not only is she in the industry, she went to work for Vertkin and now she's working for her family company. And um, 
And so, yeah, I find that very, very rewarding. So, and again, kind of a surprise, like, oh, that's me now. I'm the mentor, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So on a, on a previous podcast, um, I interviewed Debbie Novak, who heads up the, I guess, the Missouri branch of the Women of Asphalt. And she serves, I think, on the board of directors for the national chapter. And I know you were influential in, in starting the Women of Asphalt. You want to maybe share a few thoughts about the Women of Asphalt and where you think it's headed? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so the Women of Asphalt has just, you know, been phenomenal in terms of what it's done for our industry and how it's brought women together. And, and I almost say out of the woodwork, you know, we always thought that um, there weren't that many women in the industry and it's still definitely a challenge, but, but I've been amazed at how many women are in the industry and are uh, interested in this group. And so, you know, um, we started out with just us founders, and now we've grown to probably over 2,000 members across the country, maybe even more than that now. And probably the biggest thing that is, or the exciting thing is, is these, the establishment of branches, just like you have in Missouri. And so Kirsten Fowler, who's on our board, who's with the Indiana Asphalt Payment Association, she helps lead those e efforts and guide those branches. And I think we are probably at 15 or more now and, and continue to grow. And so, um, you know, really with the group, the board has tried to keep things simple as we experience this explosive growth. So there's just been this concentration on um, increasing awareness around the opportunities in the industry. Um, providing some knowledge. Um, so at Con Expo, for example, just recently, and then at World of Asphalt, we always have educational sessions um, where women can come together. And then just providing uh, platforms and opportunities for, um, again, connection. So we have a mentorship program and um, these branches get together in their own states on a regular basis as well. Um, so it's just, again, I just am so proud to see all these women in the industry, see the pride they have, see their willingness to share their story with others and, um, and, and really educate people on these opportunities. Because what I like to tell people is I feel that I have found a gold nugget in this industry. I feel very blessed to be part of this industry and I love the people. And why would we not want to share that story with others and give others the opportunity to come come be part of our industry as well? And I think the women of asphalt is just excelling at that. Um, so I, I'll, I'll admit I was one of the ones that was a little skeptical at first. Uh, I don't like to be identified by my gender or, or get any preference or anything, but that's not what this is about. And it really is about something much bigger. And so I, I feel very fortunate and proud to be part of it. It, it, it's been amazing to watch how I think ex exploded would be the yeah the right term. I mean, it it was almost like it it, it grew so fast you go, you know you all couldn't even really keep up with exactly yeah you know yeah. and and we you know we've got to the point now where we've been able to hire a part time uh, assistant director and she's our PNA she's fantastic and so I you know I see that we're gonna. I think we're going to continue to be an established organization, may even be able to have a full-time employee in the near future. 
um, and just continue to have these uh, great ideas and advocate for, for the needs of women in the industry. So yeah, it's exciting. I, I, I know our board is certainly supportive of it. And I think we may have been one of the first states to uh, I think you are, establish yeah. a branch. So we, we kind of like to tout that a little bit. Exactly. And then what a resource you have in Debbie, like right there in your backyard. I mean, I've, I've, I, I think I had known met Debbie a couple of times before working with her on the board, but now that I've really gotten to know her and when we go to Asphalt Institute, we'll have a few drinks and everything. She is just, uh, I mean, she always has a great attitude. She again, she also loves our industry and I just, she, she, you know, she's a wonderful person that I've enjoyed working with and, and you've got her right there in your backyard. So. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky. Yeah. So what, what piece of advice may you might give a woman who's thinking about starting out in the asphalt industry or even the construction yeah. industry? Um, I think so, you know, attending these women of asphalt events, this question gets asked a lot. So I've heard answers from a variety of women in the industry that have all been very informative. And probably the theme that runs through that has been, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and to, you know, um, advocate for yourself or even volunteer for opportunities, you know, raise your hand. And I think that is sound advice. And what I would add to that is, yeah, you need to be willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. And that goes for anyone. To, to be able to get ahead, you know, uh, but also you need to kind of be able to keep those boundaries and know that not let people take advantage of you, um, but in a very, uh, how am I trying to say this, Listen, in, a, in a very polite and effective way, you know, um, so my, I guess what I'm trying to get to is don't be afraid to have conversations with folks. If you do feel that your toes have been stepped on or you know, maybe something's not going like you think, don't be afraid to have a conversation. That's what I found, especially with guys in the industry. If I go to them and I just pull them aside and say, hey, man, when this happened, you know, this, you know, there, there was a, there's an issue here. Oh, almost all the time, they're all, they had no clue. They were like, oh my gosh. And we talk it out and everything is fine. So my point there is don't be afraid to talk things out. And then also don't take yourself so seriously. I think sometimes, um, and, and again, this could maybe go for anyone, you know, you get into a new role or a new job and you're wanting to do a great job and you're wanting to prove yourself or, you know, you're the new person and especially with guys. I mean, I grew up with a brother, so I feel like I can say this. I grew up with a brother and I grew up in a neighborhood full of boys. <laughs> Just as a woman, as women, don't take yourself so seriously. Um, so that would be my advice. And also, I'll be honest, I kind of feel like I need to tell my advice, myself that advice right now, because being in this new role, well, it's been four years now, but, you know, being in the president and CEO role, it can be a bit of a culmination, you know, of a, of a career. And, I want to do a good job and I, and, but at the same time, this is a new role for me. And so what I, I would like us to have a little bit more fun. I feel like, okay, I've been a little bit too serious, you know, <laughs> and there's a time for time for work and a time for play and being able to find that balance that enables you to develop those relationships and have fun together, which enable you to have those important relationships when you're really challenged, I think is important. And so I think, again, being able to have a little fun, joke around is important. And so I always kind of recommend to women, just don't take yourself so seriously. So, yeah. 
I, I think it's great advice, you know, especially the part about stepping on toes. I mean, yeah, you know, most of the people in our industry are very type A personalities. Right. And you usually don't have to wonder what they're thinking because they're going to tell you. Yeah. You know, and that you just have to understand that they don't mean anything by it. They're just going to tell you what they're thinking. And that's one of the things I love about the industry. You never wonder what are they thinking because they're going to tell you. I'd rather know what you, tell me what you're thinking and we'll we'll figure it out. So yeah, and that's something I tell the staff at Napa is, you know, always give the person benefit of the doubt. You know, if it is something, if, you know, if they've been blunt with you and maybe it didn't land well or whatever, just give them the benefit of the doubt first. You know, assume that they're coming from a good place and then talk it out. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, that's another thing I appreciate too, because I'd rather people just tell me how it is or, you know, and uh, so I do appreciate that about our industry. <laughs> Yeah, you just don't have to worry about that, do you? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to figure out how we're going to put the pieces back together. Every right. Exactly. While, but... <laughs> right. Yeah. So, kind of yeah. as we wrap things up here, Audrey, do you have any parting thoughts you'd like to share? Um, I I think what I would just say is I would just take this opportunity to really thank you, Dale. Uh, I didn't realize it's been 13 years uh, that you've been leading. And I guess, so that means when you came in, I was still with Federal Highway Administration. And, and I, I knew you then. And I knew that, um, I, I remember thinking that that was a great hire uh, for the industry in Missouri. And so really what I would just say is just, I've really enjoyed working with you, Dale. I always have a good time with you, whether we're talking asphalt or baseball or, or about our families. And so- just really appreciate your leadership there in Missouri. I mean, um, a lot of things that we have been able to uh, do at the federal level, you know, is thanks to your connections there in Missouri and your state's leadership. And so I know that your members understand the importance of funding and advocacy and your, and your uh, members also understand the benefits of promoting asphalt and talking about our benefits. And so, I think what I'm trying to get to is just that you are a ideal state that really shows the partnership among Napa and ASAPA and how that should work. And just, again, really appreciate your leadership there. And I, I appreciate your friendship. So. Uh, the, the feeling's mutual, Audrey. It's, it's been a pleasure working with you all these years. And I look forward to the next uh, 13 or yeah. however many more years, <laughs> but uh and also love, I also love that you love my hometown. So I love yeah. that you talk about Nashville and your travels there. And so Yeah, that might be some one thing most some people don't know about me is I think if I were going to relocate, it might be to Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, well, it's a great town. Here, so. <laughs> Audrey, I appreciate you taking the time today. I, I do have one question. You, you talked about your love for cars. Do you still have your Corvette? Yeah, no, unfortunately, I don't. So I traded, <laughs> I traded it out for a mortgage and a mortgage yeah. and a family. So I was gonna say, did you get a mortgage in a minivan? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want the minivan yet. Although I will say, I had I had a minivan recently for a rental car, and I was like, hey, this isn't so bad. These these doors that open automatically. I was like, now now I get it. But uh, no, I uh, you know I had a, I bought a Corvette when I joined Napa. I I had saved and saved and. Um, and had it until 2018 and, and just love that car. I do. I love Corvettes. That's my favorite car. And, uh, so one day, one day I'll have one again, but, uh, but yeah, so.
So I sold it and I, and I cried, the whole, I cried the whole way to the place to drop it off. So. I understand. Well, I, I look forward to uh, when you get your new one and uh, yeah. maybe even get a ride one of these days. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we should have a, uh, I think we should still have a function at the Corvette track in Kentucky. You know, one of our members, Scotty's paved that um, there's a, a course there at the Corvette Museum in Bowling Green that's amazing and uh, I have I have been able to drive on it um, but I, I'm always like oh we should have some an industry event there so maybe a maybe a summer meeting that's right yeah because it's asphalt and it's beautiful so absolutely <laughs> yep. well, well thanks again Audrey and I just like to say thank you for listening to Asphalt Talk the podcast by and for asphalt professionals if you enjoyed listening and learned something, please leave us a review. Your review will help us connect with other professionals like yourself so that we can keep this conversation going. Google Translate doesn't work for web designer to paving company translations. You say hot mix and it thinks you're talking about the latest snack craze. Wouldn't it be nice to work with a designer who knows the difference between binders and bitumen? Work with folks who have been speaking your language for the past 17 years. Visit maycreate.com. That's M-A-Y-E create.com. Because if you think your website sucks, so does everyone else.